0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for for coming back and sticking around. I'm going to ask you to give me another 30 minutes. I believe I have something important to share with you that I know God is going to use to speak to you directly. And today, we're going to complete our series called Conquest, and we're going to be talking about the person that had done the most conquest in the entire Bible, that is physical conquest. And I just pray that God is going to speak to you through this discussion. And we're going to talk about David again, and uh, he is a king of Israel. He's the greatest king of Israel ever, and that Jesus, uh, in his physical lineage, would come from David, would come from David's line of, of, of descendants. And so, this is how critical and important and awesome this figure is in the Bible. So, we're going to talk about David today. Now, in this conquest, I'm going to talk about two conquests that David had done. Of course, he had done many, many, many conquests. He had defeated many, many kings. He had established the nation of Israel to such a point that they have peace from all over, and nobody would dare to touch them. They were so powerful, so amazing, and that uh, uh, there are many conquests to talk about, but there are two most important conquests, I believe, that I want, I believe that God wants to use to speak to us today, and that would be the first conquest, which I have mentioned intermittently over the past several weeks as I was talking about conquests. I would mention about this first conquest that David had that was with Goliath, and then I will also, So then after that, we're going to talk about the last conquest that he was personally involved in it. and because it's not the final conquest in his lifetime you see after this last conquest there were other conquests that his people were telling him you cannot go to the battle anymore we're going to go out for you because you are the lamb for the nation you cannot get killed so you better stay in the palace stay in what you had you all and you just let us do the job and so what he had done is that he had raised a generation of warriors that is so capable and the bible says that they were able to defeat armies and giants and so forth, like David used to do. And so he became the father of many of these amazing warriors and that God had used them to further establish the kingdom of Israel. And but, but the last conquest he was involved in, involved in a lot of heart, involved in a lot of soul issue, involved in a lot of spiritual issue, and we'll get to that. So let's just talk about his first conquest. Now the first conquest he had is, is with Goliath. Now it doesn't mean that he wasn't fighting or whatever. He he was but he wasn't fighting any human being he was fighting lions and bears and so forth because god was preparing him preparing to do great things and so he was fighting lions and bears but the first Conquest he has over the enemy of God, the enemy of the nation of Israel was with Goliath that was his first conquest he was just a teenager teenager I need you to listen to this very carefully because a lot of people think that oh David you know he 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 was he, he, he was, uh, he was uh, maybe in his 20s or thirties before he you know started fighting and, and and started to join the ranks of Israeli army to to do warfare no he was only a teenager as a teenager he went forth and became the chief champion of the entire nation of Israel. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are, God has a purpose and a plan for you, and He's going to do great things through your life. Well, anyway, so in this first conquest, there are three things that I want to mention today specifically. Now, I did mention about uh, the first conquest, like I said, intermittently over the past several weeks, as I talk about different conquests, I would compare uh, some of those uh, conquerors to David, but this week, we're just going to focus on the three things that that I I believe it's going to bless you in your personal journey and personal conquest as you walk out your faith life in Christ Jesus. The first one was that you remember that uh, David, you know, when he was uh, with his uh, first, when he first came to the battlefield, you recall his father sent him to bring some sandwiches and cheese to his brother in the battlefield. And when he got to the battlefield, he he found out that Goliath was defying and challenging the army of Israel and, and taunting them, and then everybody was very afraid. And so David was very, very indignant and very, very mad. And he said, how could this person defy the army of God, you know? And uh, so his brother basically said, what are you doing here? Why don't you just go home and take care of all these little few sheep?" And from that statement, we know that David spent a lot of his earlier time as a teenager in the field taking care of the little few sheep that nobody wanted to do. In fact, when he was being anointed king, he was actually being left out to take care of sheep that his parents never thought he would amount to anything. So they even bothered to call him in for, for Samuel to take a look at that could have been the potential to become the next king of Israel because even his family members didn't think he could do anything significant. So they basically just, just put him out and take care of the few sheep. But for David, he did not think taking care of those little sheep was insignificant. In fact, he treated everything that was given to him with great responsibility, and he would even risk his life to do a good job. There is my first point today. He says sometimes before God bring us into this this, uh, prime time as it may, you know, before we ever, ever, ever fight any major conquest. That would propel us into the forefront of people, and, and that before anybody, any opportunity will come that would propel us uh, to become greatly successful, God is looking for those that would will be willing to be faithful in even the small things. You know, Jesus said that for those of us who are faithful in the small things, He will give us big things, large things, uh, large things to accomplish. And see, David, when he was taking care of all these little few sheep, he took it very seriously. And like I said, he would even Risk his life. You recall, you know, he told King Saul that, you know, he had used his two arms to rip apart those lions and the bear just to take care of all this little sheep. Most shepherds would run for their life because it was just a little few sheep, you know, and uh, why would they want to risk their life on this little few sheep that nobody actually cared about? And in fact, you know, his family didn't even care about it, and that's why they sent him out to take care of it, didn't think that he would amount to anything. But David was not thinking the same way. He took everything that was given to him, assigned to him seriously, and he would risk his own life, not just once, not just twice, several times in the field fighting a ferocious animal, just so that he could do a great job. I want to challenge you. Have you felt that your job, your task, the things that you're doing these days, they are insignificant, and therefore you're not putting all your heart in it? May I encourage you not to think that way. May I encourage you to think like David thought, is that before he became an amazing warrior and a champion, he was faithful in the small things, which you consider to be faithful even in the area, in in the things that you hate to do. You know, maybe at work today and you've been assigned tasks that you hated and you didn't think much of it and you thought to yourself, this is such a waste of time and you give your uh, uh, half-hearted effort into working in in, in your job, in your task, or perhaps you're in, in ministry, in church, you know, and then you thought that God can, you know, you could do a a lot more, a lot more significant things for the Lord, and yet you've been assigned to do very insignificant things. You feel like, you know, people are not noticing my talents. May I encourage you to have a heart like David, is that you'll be faithful, and yes, even risking your life if you have to, to make sure that all that you do is well. Risking your life means that putting all the energy you have as though it's a massive task, as though it's a task that is great. Do you know you heavenly father, is, is the Bible says that his eyes is running to and fro all over the earth. He's searching. He's searching for those with the right heart and the right spirit. He is searching for those with the right heart so that he can pull them up and he can exalt them. He can elevate them. And I want to encourage you that God is looking for those who will take things seriously and being faithful even in the smallest and most insignificant tasks. Because if you're faithful in those tasks, Jesus tells us, greater task will be given to you. Would you consider that this morning? The second point I wanted to uh, talk about uh, about David is that David was very protective of the name of God. Remember that when he was arguing with his brother, you know, his brother said, ah, just go take care of your little sheep or whatever. He said, is that not a cause? Are you guys not upset that this Goliath is defying the name of God and the army of God? Why is everybody just being so cavalier? Do you realize that God is looking for those with the same heart today? Do you know that so many of us are so used to and so able to tolerate people using the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in vain? Because we heard it so often that it just doesn't even cut us anymore. I pray that your heart will be so tender about the name of God, the glory of God, that somebody who offends the name of God, somebody who offended your faith, you know, you're not fighting back, you're not clubbing them or just hitting them, but it will just cut into your heart because that name is precious to you. You see, for David, he treats the name of God and the army of God, the people of God with utmost respect, utmost honor. And when people defy the army of God, defy the name of God, it would have been as though they're defying him. him uh, himself, and so he took everything that belongs to God personally. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Do not get used to the fact that people take the name of the Lord in vain. This is a small thing, I know, but in this small thing, even in this small thing, I believe God is looking for those whose hearts are are tender towards him, and the next time when somebody swears Some would use the name of Jesus in vain. Oh, that it ought to cut your heart. It ought to get you go, oh, don't say that. It's it's hard. And I just pray that you would cherish the name of God, his honor, his people, as much as David did. I know that if you do, God is going to lift you up. He's going to use you. He's going to be able to trust you with great and mighty things. Well, the third point that I want to talk about in his first conquest is that he was very unconventional in the way he was doing things. Remember that, you know, uh, Saul basically asked him, you know, told him that, you know, if you want to go out and fight Goliath, I'm going to give you my armor, I'm going to give you my sword, I'm going to give you, in other words, the best the Israeli army had to offer. And so David tried it on, and he decided he didn't want to use it because it was too heavy on him, it was too little, whatever, right? And that he decided he's going to use a a stone and a a sling, a stone and a sling to fight this Goliath. And you know what? For everyone, it was crazy. Why are you coming to a gunfight with a, a, with, with with a dagger. You know, that's a saying, right? Don't come to, to, to a gunfight with a dagger. You're going to lose that. That's exactly what David, what David was doing. He was going for a gunfight with a dagger. And in, in fact, with a stone, he was going to fight this Goliath. The Bible mentioned and described the armor that Goliath had. And he had this armor barrier that carried this big, heavy equipment. He's got like shoe. He's got like, you know, all the protective uh, uh, regalia, you know, helmet and all that. And yet David coming with no armor, just some stones and a sling and ready to go for battle. This is what it tells me. It tells me this, is that we need to consider sometimes to do things that is not conventional. If you've been listening to my Thursday night uh, word of encouragement, uh, I had shared for, for a number of weeks about how we ought to, if we ought to be, if you want to be successful, we ought to be unconventional in the way we think. We ought to think outside the box. In fact, we need to challenge popular thinking, accepted ways, and we ought to be able to say, is this the only way? Can I use other way? Because people who do what everybody else is doing, the best they can do is how everybody else is doing. But if if you want to rise above, rise above the crowd, and you want to be the cream of the crop, if you want to become more successful than anybody else, now some of you probably say, no, I don't need to, but I'm talking about those that you know God has called you to be different. You know God has called you to be special. You know God has called you to be significant, and I'm speaking to those people. If you're an individual, may I consider, and may I ask you to consider, and encourage you again, encourage you again to consider, do not use conventional way, do not be happy in the conventional way way do not live you the life like everybody else is living choose a lifestyle make decisions in life that is unconventional willing to think outside the box not just inside the box willing to do something different you know I always tell my team in the church you know let's do something different let's do something that is that nobody's doing because if everybody else is doing I don't want to do it anymore you know and so you know so so if you want to you want to succeed above and beyond what everybody else is doing do what David was doing. He decided he wasn't going to do what everybody else was doing. He was to do something that, watch this, that he was comfortable with. That's the sub-point of this point is that you know what works for you. Don't let anybody tell you how you are to do things. You know what works for you. And it, you know, uh, uh, another method, another way may have worked for Saul and his army, but for David, it didn't work for him. He knew his lane. He knew his expertise. He knew, he knew what he was good at, and he would not let anyone, any pressure, any peer pressure, any conventional way, even the king, to influence the way that he knew what would work for him. You know what worked for him is that he, he would be best using slings and stones to, 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 to battle enemies, and he used Against all the animals, when was taking care of the father's sheep? But she see that's the that's that's what I want to encourage you to consider is that what is it that you've been trained to do? What personality and characters do you have that is so unique to you? Perhaps that is your lane. So instead of trying to do what somebody else is doing, so that you could succeed like them, maybe you ought to consider what is it what it is that has been working for you, what it is that you like, what it is that you enjoy. Maybe that's your calling. Then stay in that lane. Perhaps you can be very successful. You say, Pastor, the uh, only thing I know how to do is, is, you know, ever done is, I'm very good at cleaning, uh, cleaning offices, maybe that, you know, and people thought, eh, that's not important. You're not going to amount to anything. Do you realize that there are cleaning corporations that provide uh, cleaning services to all the offices across North America, a multi-billion-dollar business. They are owners of cleaning business. They are millionaires many times over. Those owners didn't think of becoming a politician or becoming an artist or become a musician, become whatever, but they stay in the lane that they were super good at, and today they are on top of the game, and they are living well. What am I saying? What is it that you are good at that nobody else can do as well as you do? How is it that God had created you? The type of character that you have that is unique. Perhaps you want to consider to hone in to those areas in your life because God may have something massive for you. So these are the three points for his first conquest. And there are, like I say, many other battles that he was involved in between the first and the last conquest he was involved in. And that he won all the conquests. But I believe that all those conquests were won because of what's inside here, for what, because of what I have spoken about. Now let's look at the last conquest because it's very significant for you and I not only for David, but for you and I. The last conquest was a conquest that he had to kill his own son, not by himself, but somehow he had to see that his son being taken out. And the reason is because in this battle, he was fighting Epsilon, the son that had organized a major coup against him and then had st- sent out tens of thousands of soldiers to hunt him down, to kill him. And that they had one purpose, is to kill David. And it's really amazing because David loved his son dearly. David had such a love for this son. And in fact, after his son came back from exile, he would kiss his son. He had such a love for him, the Bible says, that he, when his son, he found his son died, he, told, he, told, he, he would say to his son, I would rather that I die than you die. What happened? Well, let me set up the story. In the story, the Bible tells us that David had many wives. And because he had many wives, he had many children. See, that's the problem with having many wives, you see. So he had many, many children. And that one of the children called uh, um, uh, Amon or uh, uh, Amon, 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 he fell in love or he was infatuated and lasting after one of his stepsisters. Same dad, different mom. And the stepsister name was Tamar. She was the sister of Epsilon. And what happened is that he was so infatuated with her, he couldn't eat, he couldn't sleep. So one of his advisors, one of those princess advisors said to him, why do you ask your dad to get your sister to come and serve you and pretend that you are sick? And then after that, you rape her. That is a stupid idea, but he listened to his advisor, so he pretended to be sick. So David loved all his children. When he heard uh, uh, Ammon was sick or Ammon was sick, he went and visited Ammon, and Ammon just said what the advisor told him. He said, you know, I'm sick. Would you you get my sister to come and take care of me? Well, David didn't think much about it. Maybe he was naive. He didn't think much about it. He didn't think any of his children is so bad, you know? (laughs) No parents think their children are bad until they find out how bad they're they were, but anyway, so, you know, they, 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 they think it was that bad, and, and so he sent this beautiful daughter of his, Tamar, to take care of uh, Ammon, Ammon, and uh, lo and behold, let me make the long story short, he raped his sister, and then after he raped her, he threw her out like a piece of garbage. And she was humiliated. And now, you know, she can't get married anymore in those days, in those culture, you know. And then she was, and then so Absalom told his sister, you stay here with me. And then Absalom waited for the father to do something. He didn't do anything. The father who loved all his children did nothing. How could he? And so Absalom began to organize a revenge Activity, a revenge on Ammon, his brother's half-brother. And so he did. He organized a party, and then in the party, he killed his brother. And after he killed his brother, he took off. He knew his father would not be pleased. He took off, and he went off and lived in some other country. Three years later, the father decided to invite him back to Jerusalem. But, you know, when he got back to Jerusalem, the father didn't want to see him. He said, I cannot see you. And so, Epsilon, of course, in his mind is that here he was, you know, raping my sister, and you did nothing. And now, I did something, and you don't want to see me. You want to have nothing to do with me. So, finally, he was able to meet with the king, and then he decided, okay, uh, he would stay in Jerusalem with the king. But then, while he was doing that, he already had a plan to organize a coup. So, he did. While he was in Jerusalem, he started to organize a coup. And so after he finished organizing, he went away uh, out of the country and he began to execute the coup. And he executed it successfully and David had to run for his life. So David left 10 of his concubines in the palace and took his whole family and everybody that wanted to come with him pretty much to go with him and to try to escape from his own son who now wanted to have his life. But here, in order to do what is right, David and his army will have to fight his own son. See, it is one thing to fight your enemies. It is one thing to even fight the people you know, but not related to you. But it is something else to fight your own flesh and blood. Not just your flesh and blood, someone that you, you love deeply. The Bible says David loved Absalom deeply. And so to decide to battle this son, is to decide to either destroy him or kill him or have yourself killed. Either way, there is not going to be any good outcome. See, if he, if he allowed the son, if he allowed the son to win, he will lose his life, his throne, and the people of Israel will come under some leadership that has not been anointed by God. And that the whole nation of Israel will be at risk or to stand up and do what he's supposed to do, and then organize his army to respond to the attack, that would mean that his own son will die. Either way, it will cut deeply in his soul. This is my second point that I want to tell you, is this, is that sometimes the battle in our our conquest, you will face situation where either way it's going to cut you very deep whether you win or lose, is going to cut you very deep. You and I need to decide ahead of time is that what would be our priorities? Would we follow the will of God or would we follow our emotion and our feeling? You know, in our many conquests, we may need to realize that at times we may be called to battle something that we cherish and even love deeply. You are a believer, you are probably aware and maybe have experienced that sometimes in order to follow Jesus, you need to forsake what you cherish the most. In fact, Jesus said this, he said that whoever follows him must be willing to forsake or even hate the father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yea, even his own life. You see, as a believer, we are called to a different life. Our call is so much more noble, so much more deeper, so much more higher than even our own life. You and I need to decide that the faith that we are is not just about our comfort, it's not just about success, it's not just about me and my family, us four and no more. It's much deeper, it's much higher, it's much nobler, it involves much better big things, much bigger things than we are. But you have to decide if you want to become a champion that God will raise to do amazing things, or you'll be one of those that will follow your emotion. You know, if they would have said, you know, I've just, I've just followed my emotion, the history of Israel, the history of even the church would have been so different. But because he chose to follow the will of God, it would mean that his own son would die. And uh, the Bible tells us that in 2nd Samuel chapter 18 verse 33, David says this. And the king when he heard that Absalom had been killed in battle, the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept and as he went, he said, oh, my son, Epsilon. My son, my son, Epsilon. Would I have died instead of you? Oh, Epsilon, my son. You can see the deep, deep affection he had for Epsilon. And now Epsilon is dead because he was just doing his duty as a king to protect the throne. Now, um, I want to talk about now the third point of this conquest. In this conquest you will see that David did not fight like in the usual battle. In this conquest, throughout the entire process, David was in a posture that could not be found in any other battle. It was a posture, watch this, of total surrender. Surrender to whatever the outcome it may be. Yes. He was involved in a conquest, but in his heart, he was in absolute surrender. He could care less if he was going to be killed or he was going to be victorious. He basically was in complete surrender unto the Lord. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25. You know, the king was now leaving Jerusalem with uh, his old entourage. You know, the priests, his generals, his army, his soldiers, his family, they are leaving Jerusalem trying to escape the sword of Absalom. And on his way out in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25, the priest, Zadok, was carrying the Ark of Covenant because they know it was very important for David to always have the presence of God with him wherever he goes. So they would carry the Ark of the Covenant with David, symbolizing that the presence of God now is following David to leave Jerusalem. It's a very powerful symbols, and the reality is that yes, it was also the very presence of God that enabled David to be victorious. And so they were carrying his Ark of the Covenant, leaving Jerusalem. And this is what David said to the priest Zadok. He said, then the king said to Zadok, carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it And his dwelling place. Verse 26. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you. Behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. Here, David is saying, I know it symbolizes power. It symbolizes the anointing of God. But you need to bring it back to Jerusalem. Because now, I'm going to be in total surrender to my maker. He can do whatever he wants to do to me. Oh, friends, I pray that you and I have that heart of surrender. Some of our conquests would demand that you do not worry about the outcome. In fact, may I propose to you that in all your conquests in the Lord, especially when you understand the concept of rest, and this church is all about rest. If you understand the concept of rest, you will understand what David is trying to do. He was in the posture of rest and surrender to God. He's saying that, yes, my son is chasing for my life. He's hunting me down. He's probably they're going to kill me, but you know, I'm going to put up a fight. I'm going to do what I can do. But I'm gonna trust God ultimately. If he wants me to lose, if he wants me to defeat it, I'm okay with it. Can you and I walk in that faith, in that faith, in the goodness of God, knowing that whatever decision God makes, whether it's in our favor or not in our favor, that he's a good God, we will still trust him. You know, in our days, a lot of times, people just lose trust in God because some of the, ans- the prayer does not answer. You have heard me talk about it in one of the nights in the, in the Word of Encouragement, You know, one of the nights that I share, it is that there are people that actually hate God and renounce God because at some time in their journey, in their walk in life, is that they had reached out to God and prayed that God will answer them in some crisis. And they felt that God did not. And therefore, they made a decision to renounce God. And I want to tell you this, friends, is that if you and I want to live in that same place where David is, you and I need to come to the same place of rest and same place of surrender to say God. God, I will fight a good fight of faith. I will do what you call me to do, but I'm going to stay in rest. I'm going to rely on you on the outcome. Whatever the outcome is, I will say to my heart, surrender. I surrender, oh Lord. You know, that's one of the songs that I love to sing by Terry Is I surrender, oh Lord. I surrender, all, Lord. For I have heard your call to lay my life down before you. I surrender, O Lord. I surrender, O Lord be glorified, Lord Jesus, I surrender all. I pray that this will be your song in every battle. God, I'm going to surrender all to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean on your goodness. I'm going to lean on your grace. My faith is not in the outcome of what you're going to do for me in whatever outcome I expect my faith is solely on you whatever is going to happen to me I am good now let's go to the next point is that when he was when he was leaving Jerusalem one of the relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin his name was Shimei or Shimei in 2 Samuel chapter 16 verse 10 to 12 Shimei, of course, was feeling very vindicated because, you know, David now is being chased out of Jerusalem because Shimei was very loyal to Saul. So Shimei came and began to taunt David, throwing stone at David, throwing dust dust, and cursed him. So David's men, of course, could not take it. He said, King, why are you allowing this guy to mock you? Let us go and cut him down and kill him. And 2 Samuel 16, verse 10 to 12, we read, but the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, behold, my son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite, may this Benjamite, leave him alone and let him curse for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. And this is what happened. You know, some of those conquests that we are going to gain may come when we are willing to lay our life down in surrender, number one and number two, is that even willing to endure mockery, curse, opposition, that is not even justifiable. You know, he's saying to his man, leave him alone. God had caused him to curse me and if that's the case I'm fine. That's a surrender posture ladies and gentlemen. Are you fine when people are cursing you? I know sometimes it's very hard even for me. You know people are doing wrong cutting me in highway and then they still give me a finger. Oh my, if, if I did something wrong, of course, I, I'll, I'll take the finger, you know, I'll just receive it. I said, no, I don't know, I should say receive it. I'll just let it pass, you know? But you know, but if people flip me a finger when they're wrong, you know, sometimes you get mad. You just, just get mad you want to do something. You know, that's really nothing you can do. But you know, the Bible says that David, even though he wasn't on the wrong and he was willing to endure, people mocking him, cursing him, taunting him, and give him absolute dishonor. I wanna encourage you today in the conquest that you are probably fighting right now, the things that you are contending for right now. You You have tried, you've tried, you've tried, and you feel like you're not going anywhere. I encourage you to be like David. Go into the place of surrender. Go into the place of rest. Perhaps in that place, God will grant you tremendous victories. Because at the end of the story, David and his men won victoriously. And was, he was restored to his throne, and he was able to establish his kingdom further, so that when his son took over, Solomon took over, the country was at peace and absolutely prospering. I want to encourage you to consider this. Now, the last point I want to make today is in 2 uh, um, Samuel chapter 18, verse 33. In this you will see prophetically the heart of the Father is being revealed. In Samuel chapter 18, verse 33, the Bible tells us that, you know, I, I read it just now actually, and uh, uh, chapter 18, when the king heard that his son was being killed, he was moaning and his heart was in deep sorrow, and he would rather that he die as opposed to the son who tried to hunt him down. And by the way, this son raped his concubines out in the public just to humiliate him. And that's how bad Absalom was. And yet he still deeply loved the son. And you know, David still loved his son who had already killed his own brother, now wanting him dead, and raped his wife, and caused great humiliation, even many deaths among the ranks of the Israeli army. David still loved him deeply. And you know, under any normal circumstance, you would think he's crazy. But he is trying to reveal, the Lord is trying to reveal, the God of this Bible, of this story, is trying to reveal the heart of our Father. You know, God loves you so much. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10 tells us that even while you were his enemies, he had died for you so that he could reconcile you to the Father. That's huge. That's the heart of the Father. You see, no matter how much you hated him, no matter how much you hate him still, you know the word of God says he still loves you. He cares for you. He still has his arm wide open. You may have cursed him. He still has his arm wide open waiting for you. His love is so unconditional, so vast, so deep, so deep, so amazing. He's waiting for you today to come back to him. Some of you will probably had run away from the Lord, and because you didn't get what you asked for, or perhaps somebody you love died of, of sickness that you asked God to heal, and God seems to have been silenced and didn't do anything, and you hated him, and, and you ran away from him. But now you're listening to um, the, this message, It is by no accident you're listening to me and I'm talking to you right now. Is that even though you hate the Father, you hate Jesus, his arm is still wide open and say, I love you. And you say, why did you do what you did and why did you answer? He hadn't answered you yet. He may not answer you in this lifetime, but he will tell you that I still love you. You may not understand this, but it's okay. I still love you. I understand your pain, I understand your sorrow, and I've died for you, even knowing that you would be my enemy. Would you come back home? Would you come back to Jesus? Would you come back to the Father? This morning, or wherever you, whenever you're listening to this, I want to pray with you today. Is that no matter what you've done or what you've said to God, if you were the individual who said, "I." I want to repent. I want to come back to God. I need his embrace. I need his love. I want to pray with you that you can come back to him because your father in heaven, he still loves you so deeply. And that every time you are hurt and you're away from his presence, it cuts deep into his heart. Yes, you, he loves you. You may say, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done after I left church or left God. It doesn't matter. He still loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to come into your life and make it brand new. He wants to use you to become a major conqueror. He wants you to become more than a conqueror, more victorious than ever before. So would you pray with me this morning? As I said this prayer, open your hearts to the Lord. Would you bow your heads before the Lord, and we're going to pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you as I am. You know my mistakes. You know what I've said to you. You know what I've said about you before other people. I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm still quite angry at you for not hearing my prayer. I still don't understand why that happened. I still don't understand why you didn't come and help me when I needed you. I didn't understand, but I still need you. I want to come back to you. I want to experience your embrace, your love like never before. I ask you to forgive me. I come back just as I am. Receive me. I want to receive your forgiveness, your cleansing. Fill me again with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you pray that prayer and you want us to help you, would you go click on, if you're watching on on YouTube or Facebook, would you click on that, that, that link down there called Connect? you know, willowdale.com slash connect. Let us know who you are, and we can send you materials, free materials. We're not asking a cent from you. Free materials so that you can be on your way to be restored and to be built up as a major warrior like David was.